This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights, Market Pulse podcast. And today we're joined in London by Oanda Senior Market Analyst, Craig Earlham. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon, everyone. Let's start with the breaking news this afternoon. And that, of course, is the European Central Bank lifting interest rates by another quarter point while also keeping options for the next meeting open as uh, it may be ending this uh, hiking campaign. We also saw Christine Lagarde speaking a little bit after the announcement. Craig, what did we learn? Well, we've learned that the central bank is now data dependent, that there is no commitment to future rate hikes, uh, and that September is now very open. And we'll see what happens over the next six weeks or so on the economy, uh, which will determine what they do next. Very similar, really, to what we heard from the Fed yesterday, which is every meeting's live. We may pause, but that's not the, necessarily the end. And we're just going to judge this as we go. And it's obviously a sensible approach. It, it doesn't really... Um, make traders and investors happy because it creates that uncertainty. It's not what we want to hear, but under the circumstances and given the experience we've had the last 18 months and how unpredictable inflation has been, I think it's the only approach the central banks really have. And it's probably going to be the approach for central banks now until the end of the year, only when we can see inflation falling quite considerably towards target, will they move away from this kind of policy manoeuvre and maybe allude to the fact that they're probably done. I get the sense that maybe the European Central Bank actually may be done, or at least lining up a pause for September, which effectively gives them three months to see what the economy is doing to give past rate hikes uh, an opportunity to flow through to the economy and uh, see what ultimately that does for these inflationary pressures, particularly in the services sector, which is what we're talking a lot about with the euro area, but also around the world as well. That's where it's become more ingrained. That's where the policymakers are a bit more concerned. And they've effectively now bought themselves time. It was almost exactly what people expected today, I think. I think most people will have looked at today and said, honestly, that they believed that we were going to see a hike and then zero commitment to anything going forward. Yeah, I think in terms of today's uh, meeting, we've we've oriented these podcasts to kind of follow each one of the meetings. Yesterday we did uh, with Ed, we did the Fed, and today we have, of course, Craig for for the ECB. And and one thing here, uh, as Craig you just mentioned, was the theme was pretty mirrored in in both in both cases. And interestingly enough, uh, you know, yesterday, of course, the the indices absolutely um, you know rocketed following uh, throughout the the overnight session for us here in the U.S. Uh, you know, stock markets continue to rally. Uh, and following suit here today with the ECB, it does set up an interesting kind of shift in narrative uh, from the central banks uh, that that we, we've seen. Now, yesterday, I made the point on the podcast that we reached a 22-year high in terms of interest rates from the Fed. I'm not quite sure if that is the same fact or, or similar with the ECB where it's been uh, in terms of its highest rate hikes. But again, sometimes it can be confusing for newer listeners, newer people who are watching the markets to understand that, you know, rate hikes have happened and yet stock indices are flying high. It is because, as Craig mentioned, if this uh, new data-dependent narrative coming out of both the ECB as well as the Fed, what that means, what that what that really signals in some cases to investors is, okay, so they see no super pressing issues that are going to force their hand to raise rates immediately. That 
from a perspective of central bank, which has to uh, take a cautious approach, right? If you were in that seat, most of us would probably do the same thing. You'd probably be cautious. You probably wouldn't get overly optimistic. You don't want to play your hand and say, hey, we've won this thing before you have, because of course that would look terrible. So the ECB and the Fed both are kind of giving these, uh, hey, you know, we've we've still got potential things that could pop up. So we're just going to play it by ear, but we don't see anything super crucial. And that narrative shift I think is probably why we're seeing um, stock indices fly recently. Uh, the dollar has come down, but it takes me to kind of a story that um, has been playing out here today, which is in some ways taking center stage a little bit here on the dollar front. Uh, we did get some some uh, GDP numbers out of the U.S. The U.S. economy grows more than two uh, more than expected in and the second quarter here, uh, which of course uh, a surprise of GDP showing some economic resiliency. This is not necessarily new, but still a beat in forecasts for GDP. Some strength here despite a massive interest rate hiking cycle in the United States is very interesting to still see, you know, things haven't cracked. We haven't seen that unemployment slip. But I heard a really interesting, um, you know, point, Craig, that I want to share with you and see your thought about this. I heard someone talk about monetary policy, not necessarily unique to the Fed, but just broadly speaking, and I'd love to mirror it with the ECB if you think this is possible. Uh, this concept of it's kind of like turning the handle of a shower, right? If you're if you are on all the way cold, right, and you step in the shower, you're like, oh, I need it to be all the way hot so that it heats up. You turn it all the way up because it's obviously cold in the shower, and then as that heat comes coming in, you're like, okay, this is feeling better, it's looking a lot better, but then of course it goes too far. You turn the handle too far, and now you're getting burned. The question is. Is, of course, when relating that to monetary policy with the ECB, with the Fed. Craig, what do you think? Do you think there's any potential that the Fed is kind of now pausing out of fear for they don't want to accidentally break anything? Or do you think the economic resiliency here, um, you know, in the U.S. and uh, comparatively in the in the ECB and in the, in the Europe uh, area uh, could be comparable? What do you what do you think on that uh, analogy? I think that's a really good analogy. Um, and it's also interesting that Funnily enough, just before we came on, because we've obviously recording this um, most of the way through the ECB press conference, but there was one Reuters journalist who did ask the question, well, basically, until now, policymakers have indicated that the risk of doing too little is far greater than the risk of doing too much, uh, which is in line with what you're saying. Naturally, President Lagarde just basically said, I'm not answering that question, uh, because it wasn't the most thrilling of press conferences. Um but that I think there is a thing now within the central banks where until this point, that very much has been the message. We'd rather almost get scolded than uh, than remain too cold, to use the analogy. I don't think that that is the case anymore, to be quite honest. I think they've seen enough in the data to see not necessarily things are breaking, but that it's really having a significant impact. We could look at the, I think there was a credit condition survey from the Eurozone this week to show that credit conditions had really tightened and that... Uh, borrowing demand and loan uh, demand had had really had become very restrictive uh, that they that they were seeing signs that it was biting and they don't want to break the economy like i know that they, that's kind of what they've alluded to before but they certainly don't want to break the economy we're also seeing sign of cracks appearing in the us and elsewhere as well and i think that's why we're seeing this shift towards a pause because they are very aware that we are at breaking point. They could avoid breaking it now, but one or two more hikes could be what tips it over the edge. The kind of straw that breaks the camel's back, as it were. 
so I think we're going to see a lot more of that type of uh, awareness and language from these central banks, which is, yeah, we know that it can take time. And now let's take the temperature of the shower, I guess. What about the currency markets, uh, guys? Uh, the euro in response to this decision from the ECB? Yeah, it's tanked, to be quite honest. It was trading around 111.40 going into the decision. It's now trading back around 110 against the US dollar. That's alongside yields in the euro area falling. So even though I said at the start, people were expecting Lagarde and the ECB to go down this route. The, the, the fact that they've actually done it has clearly had a jolting impact on the market. Perhaps it's viewed that they've maybe not just left the door open to um, a pause in September, but maybe the view is that they've left it wide open um, to the extent that it's probably, it may now become priced in as the more likely outcome uh, in six weeks' time. We haven't. I can't see an updated probability chart for what is expected now at the next meeting, but I wouldn't be surprised once it has updated if we do see that be the case based on what we've heard today from the central bank. Yeah, and I think uh, just in terms of the the currency world, you have uh, a couple things that have been interesting. You've had the uh, the Australian dollar, which has sold off quite a bit recently. Um, you know, just just off of the back of uh, some of the economic developments there. And again, when we talk central banks, it's really interesting. Uh, again, we try and cover these events to make reference to uh, moves that are happening because it is understandable. It could be confusing. You get uh, the ECB raises rates and yet the euro falls, right? So we try and uh, to our best of our ability. I know, uh, Craig, you've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this for a long time, but it is nice, I think, to try and sometimes just keep it really simple just for the average listener who may not have you know several years of experience um, as well as, of course, keep people informed on the, the higher level as well. I think you know with the euro, you, specifically, you have to look at it and say it's forward looking, right? The market is always forward looking. And if there is no pressing concern, like there has uh, kind of been that lack of one from the Fed, there is that argument that, okay, well, the driving force in the euro is high levels of inflation, concern around that, uh, needing to get that kind of conquered. If that problem is no longer there, there is not sort of the fire under the uh, you know the euro to, to keep it rising higher. And so th- keeping it really simple, that shift in narrative in the Fed um, you know caused the dollar to sink. Now we're seeing perhaps a bit of a catch-up move on the euro to the downside here recently. Uh, what do you think, Craig? Is there anything you would add to that? Or do you think that that is a good way of saying that? No, I think that's a good way of putting it. I mean, ultimately, to, to put it simply, when... Uh, central banks do something that's perceived to be dovish, so either favouring interest rate cuts or not favouring interest rate hikes or moving, shifting the narrative from that perspective. That tends to be negative for the currency. Higher interest rates are positive for the currency. You look at the carry trade uh, aspect of that alone. Um, higher interest rates in a certain country attacks, cu- attracts currency flows, um, uh, to put it re- quite simply. Um, but when ultimately, it's not necessarily a factor of where rates are, it's a factor of where rates are expected to be. And that's why these shifts in small uh, words that can have such a significant impact on the currency because it tells us a lot about where interest rates are expected to go in future. And as you say, markets are in their nature forward-looking. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, you, you made a really important point earlier in the podcast that I just made me think of. I wanted to also just kind of make a nod to some of the earnings that have been happening out of the U.S. Of course, it is peak earnings season and uh, overall a really, really good one. Um, Ed gave a lot of coverage on yesterday's podcast, so I don't want to go too in, in depth. But from what I can see out there right now, about 80 percent of companies have topped Wall Street expectations. And why that's so interesting is that, okay, you have this this uh, commentary from the Fed this week that is basically saying, um, to, to your point, Craig, you know, uh, the straw that breaks camel's back kind of thing, they may not need to do anything further. And so that, that potential breaking of the back, if you will, uh, is not necessarily right in front of us. And yet... St- companies are performing very strongly. We saw Meta lead the market very strongly, jumped almost 9%, um, you know, with the highest quarterly sales growth since 2021. I mean, there is, I remember, you know, several months back, Craig, it was like every bear uh, on Wall Street was pointing to there's going to be an earnings recession. And there just hasn't been one. The U.S. economy has stayed strong. Unemployment has stayed relatively tight, though slowing a bit, still tight, comparatively speaking and historically speaking. And companies are doing very well. So um, again, it is one of those things you don't necessarily want to fight uh, the trends that we're seeing. Good news is not necessarily good news that's going to all come crumbling down. Good news could just be, hey, things are improving, and and you know, be present with what's happening and be aware that something could change. But again, that's why we, you know, people cover this stuff day in day out to keep an eye on uh, as the needle is changing. But I don't know, Craig. So uh, of course, earnings looking good. Um, labor looking good uh forward outlook i mean where where are you at with it do you think uh there, there's room for for pullbacks do you um i guess in terms of indices or uh any currencies specifically that you think are especially interesting i mean i think you've covered everything quite well there i think we, it's it's interesting right now is we're now going to get a gauge of whether central banks have broken the economy or not right the monetary policy operates with a lag it can be anything from really three months really to 12 months or so there is no predefined definition in terms of how long it takes these things to filter through so we're only soon going to find out there is still plenty of people who think that this is going to have an impact that recessions are almost inevitable but there is also a wide range of views this is a very unique situation um i'm probably in the camp that i think a soft landing is still achievable for most countries and therefore resilience is going to remain the buzzword of 2023 um and in that aspect then there is the potential for uh, equity markets to potentially remain strong and there is um uh, and things like that but i mean it things are changing all the time so i mean predictions made three months ago or expectations three months ago look very different from now and look very different from three months before that i don't think that's necessarily going to change i do think we are going to start seeing a little bit more balance towards the back end of the year but i've been saying for a long time now the summer was going to be the point where we learn a lot about how much things need to break and how much progress is being made. And I think the first month or two of the summer, I feel like we've learned an awful lot, but I think there's still another month or two of data where we are going to learn a lot as well. And until we kind of have all of that, I think it's going to be very difficult to make judgments about, for example, 2024 and how things will perform. And of course, we're doing this podcast uh, within 24 hours of the last one, which is unusual for us. It's usually every other day. That's because obviously we wanted to react as quickly as possible to the uh, Fed announcement uh, yesterday and the ECB today. So it's been great uh, talking to you both today and we'll speak to you again next week. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Johnny. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.